This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. And welcome back to Podcast with Statsman and AJ Rotowire's Hockey Podcast Show. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My partner on these pods, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. That's AJ S C H O L Z24. On today's pod, we find ourselves just a couple of weeks away from the trade deadline, and as always, our aim is to identify most added and dropped players as well as the new roster opportunities and storylines around each team. But now we can also focus on some of the names who could be on the move by month end at AJ. Yeah, it should be an exciting time. Uh, I don't know if the NHL will quite live up to the craziness we saw on NBA trade deadline day. Yeah. Uh, I don't anticipate any teams are going to completely overhaul their rosters like we saw over there. But, uh, you know, it should be fun, should be interesting. A uh, nice kind of Monday morning, good, fun way to start the week. So, uh, But before we kick off the rest of the show, just remind our listeners throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey or just hockey in general you can tweet at us we'll try and answer your questions throughout the week uh, as paul mentioned you can follow me at aj shoals 24 you can follow paul the Statsman at Statsman 22 all right let's get into the 31 teams and pick out those storylines aj where we'll highlight a number of circumstances that evolved and are continuing to evolve just as we outlined they might so uh, we're looking good uh, with our a lot of our calls and hot takes in the last few weeks, and we hope to continue that that run. We'll begin our talk, as always, with the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. The healthy roster is certainly closing the gap on a playoff spot with their typically physical style of play. It's a rare recipe, AJ, these days. Uh, not too many teams are, are going the physical route. They're preferring the, the speed game, and we'll talk a lot about uh, that, I'm sure, in the course of another team, other team's analysis. But in Anaheim, their top line is still on fire, and John Gibson... Allowed only two goals against in his return to the crease against the Oilers last week. So things are pretty much in order here. I view this team as buyers and could see them certainly wanting to add a forward up front. They have at least seven D-men who have NHL experience and could deal a piece from that group, in my opinion. Absolutely. And I think what's kind of... uh precipitated the need for an extra forward is that Anton Vermette has really not uh, worked out well. Uh, You know, they brought him over, uh, brought him in last season, uh, 28 points, 72 games, not great, but not, you know, not terrible either. He's got just 16 this year uh, through 55 games. 
And this just clearly is not the player uh, who, you know, has reached 40 on a handful of occasions, peaked at 65 in the 09-10 season. Uh, and so clearly, I think Vermette has lost a step, could even see himself, uh, you know, watching from the bench uh, more often than not the rest of the way. He sat three, uh, two of the last three games. And so I just, you know, that move clearly is not working out anymore. Uh, they still have Patrick Eves on IR. Uh, doesn't look like he's going to be back anytime soon. So to your point, I think that's a great call. Uh, duck selling uh, defensemen, which they have, you know, a good number of buying a forward, I think is what we'll see at the trade deadline. In, in Arizona, they're moving the kids around a little bit. We see Brendan Perlini playing a first line left wing role, AJ. He's uh, not the most highly touted of their their young prospects and yet he's he's having a good run right now and that's earned him a shot to play with Clayton Keller and Derek Steppen on the top line but the the thing that uh, shocks me about this roster is what they're doing with Max Domi he's now dropped to a third line role and I'm hearing whispers of him being shopped around this guy was a couple of years ago looked like the darling of of this particular franchise but his star is definitely in decline and I wonder if he's playing himself out of here on purpose and maybe wanting to look for greener pastures elsewhere it just hasn't really worked out for Max this year and he's a kid who had a great junior career obviously the pedigree with his famous father uh, preceded him and maybe his dad's in his ear saying you know what maybe this isn't the best situation for you and you might want to think about looking elsewhere so I wonder what's going on with the Domi situation a little murky and a little strange to see him playing a third line role going forward well, I don't know if I'd go that far. That seems a little uh, conspiracy theory s to me, Paul. Uh, <laughs> I, I I think he just hasn't, you know, found his stride with this team. Now, that certainly doesn't mean I I think he should stick around long term. I think he might be better suited somewhere else. Um, but to to say he's intentionally tanking, I think would be a little bit of a stretch. Now you're but putting your... words. We're putting words in my mouth here. <laughs> <laughs> to to. To your point, though, I mean, 52 points in his rookie campaign, uh, 38 last year, only got to nine goals. He's only got four goals so far this year. Uh, And so it does seem like maybe it's not the best fit. He's 22 years old. uh, A young center has obviously uh, some decent NHL experience. There's plenty of teams out there looking for centers uh, right now. So I definitely think that's an option. I still think Oliver Ekman Larson, probably the biggest trade chip for Arizona, just because, you know, Dome, they might get maybe one for one and maybe a prospect or maybe a a pick Ekman Larson. I think even though he's had some struggles is going to fetch the biggest price tag on this team. Yes. He's only 26 years old. So selling him might seem uh, a little premature, but at the same time, he's going to get more value because of how young he is. The, you know, the only concern is the contract. It runs about five mil a year, um, but it, that's not outrageous either. So I, I would expect him to be the one teams are most calling about. Well, there must be trouble in Boston, AJ. They're only eight and two in their last 10 games, finally <laughs> losing a couple of games. So I didn't, I wondered if this team was ever going to lose the way they were playing for a stretch, but wingers, Danton Heinen and Jake DeBrusque certainly have both produced while uh, Brad Marchand was suspended, so they didn't miss a beat in that regard. And now that he's back, DeBrusque retains a second-line left-wing role and a power-play role, while Heinen has been dropped to the third line here. I've been impressed also by the continuing strong play of Zdeno Chara, who at 40 years old is playing key minutes here still, and that wingspan is a real problem for opposing teams that face the Boston penalty kill. He's making a strong bid to get a new contract extension here, too. Uh, I don't think he, he's, he's done anything to play himself out of Boston, and, and he's too much of a fan favorite here. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle the big man in the offseason. 
Yeah, that's for sure the biggest question. I mean, you look at his current contract, $4 million this year, going to be an unrestricted free agent. I can't imagine that at 40 years of age, they're going to want to give him $4 million a year heading into next season. Um, but I certainly think they'll try and see if something works. Uh, as far as the rest of the way goes, I look at Boston as buyers, certainly. Um, you know, they've got a ton of talent. The question is, what do they really need? I mean, uh, to your point, those youngsters are playing well. Bergeron, Marchant are, are doing, you know, their usual uh, great job. Bacchus is, you know, contributing here and there. Maybe a depth defenseman, but they're already pretty deep on D. The goaltending situation, as we've highlighted, has been phenomenal. Kudobin has played well in his opportunities. So while I think they're a buyer team, I'm just not sure where they really need support. I think you may just see them kind of stand pat, maybe some minor deals, uh, but nothing big coming out of Boston, in my opinion. Yeah, and I wonder if in Buffalo they're going to do it, be able to do anything. Certainly, Evander Kane is a big trade chip, but he's been pretty quiet in the last little while, and it doesn't help him that going forward, a terrible regular season for the Sabres won't be getting any better anytime soon because their most dynamic player, Jack Eichel, will be sidelined for the next four to six weeks with an injury. Uh, that means an opportunity for one Evan Rodriguez, though. He has three points in his last two games, ending a long goalless streak there as well. He'll move up to a scoring line role and uh, on the wings though Sam Reinhardt is a guy who's really emerged here we've talked about him in the last couple of weeks looks to me like he'll be the focal point of this offense may uh, and I wonder if he's going to be up to the task certainly uh, a nice streak recently 14 points in his last 11 games obscuring a terrible first half for this guy he might just be figuring things out here and uh, come out of nowhere really in doing so well I think if there was any thought that maybe they wouldn't be sellers at the trade deadline, which seems weird. I think the Jack Eichel injury seals the deal on that one. Uh, this team is at this point can be on full on sell on mode. Uh, you know, if they, the getting rid of some of those pieces might help long term, not only from uh, getting more assets in, but it might help them uh, with Eichel out. Uh, you know, challenge the Coyotes for the number one uh, most likely draft uh, lottery right. spot. Right. So. Uh, I would expect, you know, uh, to your point, Evander Kane's going to be the big piece here. Uh, you know, don't sleep on maybe Jason Pominville being traded away. He's 35. He's got one more year under contract, uh, but he, you know, so teams wouldn't have to commit to him long term. Even Bennett Pouliot, who's 31, uh, his cap hits only about 1.1 million, but he'll be an unrestricted free agent after the season, so he could uh, be an attractive kind of depth addition to a team. Uh, so I think there's plenty of guys that they might look at defensively. They could also sell just because they have uh, some really good depth. Now, right now it's being stretched with McCabe and Bogosian on IR. Uh, but you look at a Josh Georges, uh, 3.9 million going to be a unrestricted free agent after the year, even Justin Falk, perhaps uh, both those guys heading into free agency. So there's some defensive pieces they could sell because they have a lot of depth here as well. And over in Calgary, we've talked a lot about Michael Fernand and, and, and uh, Tachuk. They both reached the 20-goal mark last week. But the fact is this club can't, st still can't fill out two scoring lines, even with their performance. My belief is their <coughs> goaltending is pretty good, and they have nice depth on the blue line. But, of course, that's challenged now with Mike Smith's recent injury. It looked like a groin injury late in uh, his last game. Could be big trouble for them. Uh, they could certainly use an upgrade up front, though, and... Uh, 
And I wonder if they'll make a move. It'll depend on the diagnosis for Smith because if he's not there, that kind of flushes their hopes for the playoff spot. Up front as well, I'll point out that Frolik has been an underachiever in the top six at a right wing spot. Only 17 points in the year, in the year two points in the last six games since returning from injury. But but they still have gaps on the forward line. Their defense is pretty deep. I like the top four there and uh, wonder if maybe if they will... Uh, juggle their mix to to kind of find a balance on their roster going forward absolutely and i think that the troy brower injury uh certainly factors in as well i mean he's got 25 points on the year definitely should reach 30 uh which will be his uh i believe eighth straight season with plus 30 points on the year a solid depth option that that honestly if they were in seller mode might be uh one to look at uh, they're obviously not right now, but again, to your point, it all is going to come down to the Mike Smith diagnosis. Uh, you know, wh- whether I think Mike Smith is as good as he is or not, <laughs> he's obviously, <laughs> he's still their number one netminder. And so, yeah. uh, without him, if he gets, you know, uh, out for the year diagnosis or something like that, it's going to change the dynamic here. They're sitting at third in the Pacific uh, and even if they dropped out of there, they're still in, they'd still be in the wild uh, card hunt with Minnesota and Dallas. So there's a lot of moving pieces to this, but I think you're absolutely right, Paul. What they do at the trade deadline will 100% depend on the long-term diagnosis of Mike Smith. And goal in Carolina, that's the story this year for me. Cam Ward, I've talked about him at length. I snagged him early in the season, and he's really been a, uh, consistently rewarding my team's uh, surprisingly strong performance from him. But Darling came back with a nice effort, only one goal against in his lone game last week. So things are lo- looking up in goal for both of the players there as they jockey for playing time. The same thing is going on at center. Uh, Elias Lindholm is trying to make a bid for more playing time. He produced four points in three games last week. I've been, I'd been high on Victor Rask, but he's been too inconsistent this year. And, and he and Derek Ryan, in fact, have been both very disappointing in terms of the scoring. They're not doing much to earn any top six minutes, so they've lost that opportunity uh, against Elias Lindholm. This guy's a guy who's shown flashes of great talent and once again looks like he's going to get a run in the middle of the ice. Absolutely agree with, with all of that. I mean, Cam Ward has been the linchpin of this team. I think what's so difficult with Carolina to, you know, watch is that they're in the metropolitan or in the Atlantic, they're, you know, a lot better team uh, in that division than they come off as in the metropolitan. Now, right right now they've got a wild card spot, but uh, Columbus is only one point behind them. The Islanders are a point back. The Rangers are still two points back, even though management there has the full sell on. We'll get into that more. Uh, But, I, I think it's interesting uh, in the Atlantic, they'd probably be a significantly more competitive team. Now, to that point, it's hard to gauge where they're at because they're right on that edge. Are they buyers? Are they sellers? They might find themselves right in the middle uh, selling some pieces, potentially still Cam Ward, even though he's gotten them this far. Uh, I don't think there's any situation where they think he'll resign with them next year. And then, you know, kind of bolstering other points to try and make them a better playoff team. So 
it'll be in, this is probably one of the most difficult teams to diagnose as to where they are as buyers or sellers and we'll see uh what management thinks as far as where they're at so far you know what i think you could change the name there and substitute chicago aj and it's the same story there They've, they're getting Corey crawford back later this week finally but it might be too help, too late to help them in a playoff run they're at the bottom of their division also a competitive one like the one that your favorite club resides in in the metro the second line here with chicago is shuffling things uh, trying to find that magic that supports the top line in terms of reducing regular scoring anisimov moves back to the center role and in fact schmaltz has been dropped to a third line center role the odd move for he, for me in this mix is uh, that hartman is is now installed as a second li- line left winger he's only got one assist in his last 13 games i'd rather see Saad in there uh, but because of his grit aj but he's been just as ineffective in terms of producing any points i think the playoff hopes are really fading here and it seems strange but i i think chicago has to resign themselves to waving the white flag and being sellers uh, at the trade deadline absolutely agree with that uh, assessment as well paul i i think it actually would benefit this organization to finally actually have a season in seller mode uh they've been buyers for so long that this kind of drop was always kind of predicted now they pushed it off for a very long time with how good they've been <clears throat> and obviously Corey crawford being injured is a key here the only problem i see is when you look at their their contract situation the guys that you would con- think that they might want to sell uh p- potentially sod uh you know maybe i know they just brought him back so probably not but like anisimov maybe trying to uh shed you know duncan keith brent seabrook both those guys would get huge uh you know one-year rentals all these guys are under contract through at least the 2021 season so that's a lot of cap space to ask another team to take on and from there then it's all younger guys that they probably don't really want to part with yet who are you know under pretty minimal contracts so it could be a situation where the only way they're actually going to sell somebody is to retain some salary at this point because uh, their their blue chip pieces are all going to cost uh, uh, other teams a huge huge price and you talk about a huge, huge price. How about a huge, huge peach with Colorado? Nathan McKinnon is really being missed here. Consider the fact that Kerfoot and Yost, the number, the new number one and number two at center, have combined for fewer shots than what Big Mac was even averaging on the season when he was healthy. With the offense taking such a hit, the Avs have now moved Rantanen off the top line to spread out uh, to try and build a line around him and keep the first line around Landeskog. This club's pretty thin at at the forward position as a result the club has only scored 10 goals in their last five games highlighting the offensive underperformance with Varlamov back in the lineup in goal though both goalies have had a good start and a bad start in the last five games I called this AJ I thought when uh, when Bernier had somebody look will have somebody looking over his shoulder his game will slip a little bit that's starting to happen and uh, Varlamov has been a little bit shaky too so things are kind of falling apart for Colorado as they miss uh, maybe their best player yeah, and the, to to point out even further where their uh, lack of production is at the center, uh, Carl Soderberg, who has gotten looks in, in a top uh, six role, is down on the third line. He's pointless in his last nine games with a minus eight rating over that stretch. Uh, just 19 shots on goal there as well. And, you know, this is a club that for the last several years, uh, you know, McKinnon and Duchesne as a one-two punch at center, now, it wasn't too bad. Now, uh, it seems like trading away Duchesne was probably the right move. They got a lot back. 
uh, in that deal. And obviously, you can't predict the Nathan McKinnon injury. Uh, but for a club that for many years uh, had really solid center depth is suddenly lacking it. And it just goes to show that the guys that they have are not, uh, you know, not top six caliber guys. Uh, and so how the rest of the season shakes out for them uh, kind of remains to be seen. You could, to your point, see a situation where maybe Bernier gets moved. Uh, somebody, you know, that maybe uh, an injury necessitates uh, a goalie, uh, maybe Calgary, you know, maybe send him up there to kind of bolster uh, their goaltending situation. They're obviously competitive. Uh, Colorado is kind of approaching out of its zone with uh, with the recent slump. So uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, a lot of interesting storylines here as well. Well, and to me, I don't I look at the Columbus situation, AJ, and uh, I want to focus on Pierre-Luc Dubois. This guy could be the answer to a trivia question. That is, who was the third pick in the draft that featured Matthews and, and Line? But uh, Dubois started off well. He's played thir- first line minutes before, and he might get a chance to go back there again. Uh, he snapped a seven-game goalless funk last week with a streak of three uh, of three points in four games uh, in the last seven days that might be good enough to see him get back to the top line here it's been pretty shaky in the middle of the ice uh, surprisingly enough in Columbus it's certainly more than the other top alternatives Wenberg and Dubinsky who've been slumping uh, badly over the same period the Jackets need to find the right formula ASAP as they've only won one game in their last six and they have a key string of five divisional tilts in their next six games along with one game against uh, my favorite team coming up uh, uh, later this week well i think one thing that could really help bolster uh their their uh, win percentage is getting Bobrovsky a little bit of help defensively uh and that'll probably be in the form of ryan murray uh the 24 year old's been out for a while but he's going to travel with the team for their upcoming road trip uh no clear indication of whether or not he'll slot into the lineup tonight or wednesday versus your leafs uh, but getting him back will really help this blue line. Now he's not an offensive powerhouse. Uh, you know, in the past, he's got a couple 20 point seasons, not much more to show for it than that, but very solid defensive player and can really help uh, maybe cut down on the number of shots that Bobrasi and Corpusalo when he's in are seeing uh, and should help maybe turn uh, the tides for this club. The Dallas Stars have certainly turned things around, AJ. The 7-3 and three run in their last 10 games have vaulted them into the first wildcard spot as we look at the standings this morning. But they want to bounce back from a 6 nothing thrashing on home ice versus Vancouver in their last start. They're looking forward to getting Mark Mathot back after he's missed 40 of the past 41 games with a serious knee injury. That's expected to solidify the defense down the stretch, so it'll be a huge addition when he does come back in the game as soon as into game action assuming he can deliver that that uh, level the huge drop off from the top scoring line though is still the key point here and it's obvious and evident when we note that the second line wingers Roussel and Pitlick have combined for only one goal in their last five games this team simply needs to bolster their secondary scoring that should be a target for them in the upcoming trade discussions well not only is Jason Spezza not going to reach uh, 60 points like he did uh, for three seasons ago. He got 50 last year. Uh, he may not even reach 40 at this point. He's only got 24, uh, only seven goals on the year right now. I mean, this guy uh, during his time in Ottawa was a consistent 20, even 30 goal scorer. And that just has not been the case since coming over to Dallas. Now he had 15, 16 was a solid season for him. Uh, a little bit of a drop off last year, but this year, 
it, it's really kind of dovetailed from there. And that's why you're seeing him in a third line role. Uh, Martin Hansel, another kind of veteran player that they brought in again, he uh, has some 40 point seasons under his belt. Uh, now injuries have kind of derailed him uh, early in the season, but just nine points to show for it on the year. And perhaps more concerning is a minus 14 rating. Uh, unsurprisingly due to the injuries and a lack of production, his minutes are the lowest of his career at 1424 right now. Uh, so just not getting a lot of opportunities either uh, because he's struggling. So it's kind of part and parcel. You know, you want to see him get more minutes, but if he's not going to produce, the coaching staff can't really trust him to be out there. So it's kind of a, uh, you know, repeating cycle as it were. Uh, But those are two guys that if they want to really make a run this year, that they're going to have to step up and start doing more in the offensive zone. Well, and Detroit is a team that might be counting on a couple of guys that are starting to perform or in good situations. One is Justin Abdelkader coming. I want to keep an eye on him in the next couple of weeks, AJ, as he's finally healthy again, ready to take on power play time. He's kind of that big, big power guy that they've had in the middle of the ice for years and years with his predecessor there who's on reserve, <coughs> but he now fills that role. His size and skill combo is rare, and it's going to be a welcome addition here. Uh, in addition, Franz Nielsen has been a huge disappointment here on the season and is signed to a big ticket for the next four years. they got a few bad contracts over in Detroit, but at least they can look at Nielsen and say he's produced a point-per-game pace in the last eight games of the season. That's certainly his finest stretch of the year. I just wonder if it, this is a guy who performs better when there's no pressure on him, and uh, that might be a consideration in DFS play. If he continues to roll along like this, he might be a, a nice dark horse, horse addition in tournament-type situations. Well, one guy that you may want to avoid uh, right now is Peter Mrazek. Now, we're talking about him kind of retaking uh, the net, and then he goes out and just gets absolutely rocked, giving up seven goals on 29 shots. Uh, That's a .759 save percentage, and that kind of seems to be his M.O., right? Right when you think, okay, Mrazek's finally turned it around. (laughs) He's going to take over the starting job in uh, Detroit. rather. Uh, He has one of these terrible outings. Now what's helping him in uh, is Jimmy Howard has given up seven goals in his last two outings. I mean, so obviously that's a little better than seven goals in one outing, uh, <laughs> but he's not performing significantly better either. Uh, and so I don't really expect them to bring in a goaltender at this point. I, ex- I would see them looking more towards free agency, uh, but they might want to trade one of these guys away just because they're tied up in so much cap space between the two of them. Uh, you know, you look at uh, a lot of clubs, they give all their money kind of to one guy and then a little bit to the other one. Howard's at about 5.3, Mrazic's at four. Now Mrazic's an RFA. So that gives clubs a little bit of leverage. Howard's under contract for one more season. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see what they do there, but to have $9 million uh, tied up in your goaltending situation and not getting the level of play. Look, the Rangers have 8.5 million tied up in their goalie. Uh, and or about nine and a half, really. And most of that goes to Henrik Lundqvist. So, I mean, that's understandable. Uh, here, you've got two guys who are both underperforming, eating up way more cap space than they need to be. And uh, over in Edmonton, we can get excited for Connor McDavid. He was the leading scorer in the <coughs> league last year. But the Oilers still begin this week on a three-game losing streak. That speaks volumes. I don't need to add any more there. There's no words. 
Big offense from one guy still doesn't stem the tide. Still, it's worth noting that Maroon and Pujarvi, two big uh, skilled skaters, are getting a look on his wings now, and that might improve their value in DFS play going forward if they can certainly start to feed the big man or if he can uh, turn around and say, hey, I got some skaters with me and make them look good. Both of them have seen their shots on goal rate drop in recent weeks, so that's a bit of a concern for me. Maybe this will get them going. Lesser options like Milan Lucic and Mike Camilleri are veterans of top six play, but they failed in, in auditions on the top line and are now uh, working with Dreisaitl on, uh, on the second unit. So they're just trying to find an offensive mix that works here, but it's too little too late uh, in terms of saving their season. Uh, certainly when you look at Camilleri and, and uh, Lucic, the former is scoreless in his last seven games, while Cami has five assists, at least in his last four. So maybe there's a bit of a spark here, but he's lo- a little long in the tooth. And uh, really, they're just grasping at straws here. And we haven't even talked about the bottom six, but we can't waste any time. There's nothing to talk about there, AJ. <laughs> yeah, the only other player I would add is uh, is Ryan Strom. Might get a look here or there on, on a top six responsibility. Uh, you know, seven goals, 15 assists this year. The, the numbers aren't really great, uh, especially when they brought him over from, from the Islanders, expecting a little bit more. Uh, he really has not lived up to expectations, had a phenomenal 2014-15 season, hit the 50-point mark, uh, has barely reached 30 since then. Uh, and so uh, a real significant drop-off. I would expect him to maybe get a look periodically uh, in a top-six role just to see whether or not he's going to be part of their long-term plans. Now it's weird to think of this club. Uh, I wouldn't call them in a rebuild obviously, but they might need to retool a little bit. Uh, and you look like, you know, those veterans you mentioned, uh, Maroon, Camilleri, they're both going to be UFAs. Mark Latestu is another one here. Uh, and so it could be a situation where they're tweaking, uh, how things look here. And I think giving Strom kind of a, another audition, uh, here to figure out whether or not he is uh, a long-term piece of, of this organization's future is something they should seriously consider. And Florida made a, a big move in the past week. They separated their top two gunners on the top line. Barkov and Huberdo are now split up. And I hope, as I guess, AJ, that the team can build uh, a scoring line around each of these two anchors. Bugstad is back on the top line with Barkov and has bagged four assists and elevated his shot rate in the last uh, few games as well. He's had a good streak as a top six-point getter, so maybe that helps one pairing. Uh, Trocek, for his part, remains a solid playmaker with five helpers in his last six games and should be able to bring out the best in Huberdo as a playmaker for the sniper, the, probably the best sniper on the Florida roster. Who he's, Huberto, for his part, has been a, a point-per-game trigger man this season, so they want to continue to see that production out of him. But really, it's too thin around uh, these guys, and there's not much depth beyond them. It's another club that gets very little from the bottom six, and we called that from the beginning of the season. Well, fortunately, they put together enough of a performance last night uh, that James Reimer could get the win in his return from injury despite giving up five goals. Now they faced Edmonton, who we just talked about all the problems they're having. Uh, You give up five goals against a lot of the other top clubs in this team. You're not coming away with the win. Uh, So good to have Reimer back, obviously. But you have to wonder if maybe uh, that struggling performance will give them a, a have them look at Harry Sateri a little bit longer uh, and see what he can offer them. Now Luongo is still out, still working his way back. You have to imagine as soon as he's healthy, he'll retake the number one job here. Uh, but, uh, you know, maybe it's a situation 
neither Reimer uh, or Luongo is exactly a spring chicken. Now Reimer is still only 29, uh, but Sateri might be working his way in as kind of the netminder of the future here if he continues to perform well. Yeah, that's a bit of a, a bit of a surprise to me. He came from nowhere, but you got him kudos for looking as good as he has most recently after a tough start. In Los Angeles, the Kings have reeled in the other top clubs in their division with a nice run of late, making the most of their uh, reasonable path to the playoffs through their division. But they're still without Jeff Carter, who continues to rehab an ankle injury that just stubbornly refuses to get better. In fact, they've already written him off for their current seven-game road trip, meaning that the earliest that he'll possibly return is very late in February, so they need to get him back sooner rather than later. Uh, Dustin Brown will also miss the next game due to a one-game suspension, but it's presented Nick Shore with a top six opportunity he's uh, been rolling along a little bit the last couple of games three points in there uh, d- decent tourney play if you want for tonight's action I'll, I'll leak that out another good uh, in my opinion uh, DFS option is actually Alec Martinez on the blue line now season-long owners are going to be screaming into their <laughs> at me uh, you know saying hey this guy has not been good this year uh, just five points in 10 assists in 50 games and I get if you have him in season long, uh, that's really disappointing. But for daily contests, he still checks a lot of boxes, uh, averaging 23 minutes a night. Uh, over two of that is coming on the power play. Uh, his shots on goal are 82 and 50 games. So a little low there, understandably, but his value is going to be down. And this is a guy that has four straight uh, 20 point seasons. The last two have been 30 plus point seasons. Uh, and so I think he has all the tools there. It's just a matter of getting everything rolling for him. And so that's why if as a DFS option, I like him. Uh, I certainly understand uh, fantasy owners that have uh, looked to trade it away or even just dropped him outright due to his bad pr- production. But that's going to only serve to lower his price tag in DFS. Well, in terms of DFS too, I want to offer one more tip. When we come to the next team in Minnesota, they have one of the very best home ice records, AJ. And so when they're playing a team that's not so hot on the road, that's when I'll focus on this team. And at that point, I remind myself, this is a pretty good defenseman factory. And Gustav Olofsson may be the next solid guy that comes out of this group and and earn some uh, playing time in DFS lineups. He's got three points in his last three games and is playing top pair minutes with a similarly productive veteran presence of Jared Spurgeon. Uh, Up front, Jason Zucker is also on a hot streak, the second torrid streak of the season that this guy's enjoyed. He's got seven goals in his last 11 games, really enjoying life as the top line left winger next to playmaker Miko Koivu, a fine situation for both. Yeah, I I, uh, might have to give you a little bit of a hard time here, Paul. You're you're leaking some of my DFS tips uh, for later (laughs) in the show here. Uh, but no, Paul makes a great point uh, in the fact that the defensemen here uh, offer a, a lot of good value. You know, uh, Olafson being the next one, but that comes from behind Sutter and Spurgeon and Matthew Dumba as well. Uh, some great, great looks here. And to Paul's point about home ice and, and production, uh, look no further than Devin Dubnik tonight. His price tag probably won't be as high. As a lot of the other net miners that you see out here at home, 14, two and four, a 2.11 goals against average. So a solid, solid home net minder here. 
And in Montreal, you could say they're anything but solid, AJ, and I take great delight in that. I got to say that. <laughs> uh, up front, though, Arturi Lekkonen has taken advantage of his current right wing uh, first line opportunity with five <laughs> points in his last three games to be one of the rare bright lights of late. At the si- same time, though, he's forged a pretty good partnership with Alex Galchenyuk, who's work- trying to work his way out of a season-long doghouse here. He's got four assists in his last four games, though he's still a minus 27 on the year. How puny is this offense, though? Uh, Look at Carey Price's game line. He has allowed two goals or less in three of his last four contests and only has one win to show for it. That's typical of this season. They've got a pop gun offense, even though they've got one of the best goalies in the world. They just can't seem to string anything together to get uh, on the right side of the 500 ledger. They're well below right now. Well, and there's so many pieces that this club needs to fill. Uh, You know, obviously Shea Weber's out. Uh, but other than him, there's not really any kind of offensively minded guys here on the blue line. Uh, and so if the, the fact if, if Thomas Placanic is still on this lineup on February 27th, <laughs> I'm going to be shocked. And there are going to be people outside of the arena with pitchforks uh, calling for the GM being canned because that patch already uh, is going to be a UFA after the year. He's 35 years old. Uh, so keeping him around when you're pretty much out of it makes no sense, but he can add value to a lot of other teams of veteran presence uh, and help get them, you know, where they want to go. Centers are at a premium. And for a guy like him, uh, you know, to be available, yes, you're trading away one of your, you know, one of your captains, your, your assistant uh, or alternate who, depending on who you ask. Uh, But this is a, a 60 point guy, 70 point. In fact, in 0910, consistently above 40 uh, that can really, I think, help produce uh, towards the end of the season. It's been a little bit down this year. And so that probably lowers his trade value a bit considering his age as well. But people like the fact that he's a UFA. They can bring him in as a rental and see what he has left. Yeah, let's let's look forward to that. In a couple of weeks, we'll really go through the trade deadline possibilities. And certainly at the end of it, we'll recap all the deals. So there's something to look forward to. A little bit different format in those couple of weeks when we get on to those shows. Uh, up next, we talk about the Nashville Predators. With Forsberg back as the first line left wing, this team looks like one of the Western Conference favorites again. We've spoken about how Ryan Johansson is scoring below a, point, a pace that we expect for him. But with the reunion with Forsberg, that should help both these guys in a big way. The right winger on this line, Victor Arvidsson, has kind of been underrated by many. But look at him, AJ. He's got 10 points in his last nine games. So when these guys get a few more games under their belt back together, I think it could be a very potent unit. I note the use of uh, more than one uh, D-man in recent shootouts by the Preds. That's a reminder that Ellis, Yossi, and Subban are three great offensive options in DFS play whenever Nashville plays, even though those shootout goals don't count you got to recognize that they value these guys as key contributors to their offense on a nightly basis and i saw it up close and personal and these guys can really shake things up and deliver a lot of offense from the back end well we've been talking a lot of tips for for our dfs listeners i'll throw one out there for our season long guys uh mike fisher skated on the fourth line yesterday with the club uh austin watson was missing from practice and so it opened up a, a spot there it seems like he's getting close. Uh, you know, he's technically uh, not under contract yet. So there's a few steps here in the process before uh, he can sign with them. But I anticipate that's coming. Uh, it should be actually very soon. He has to sign before the trade deadline in order to be eligible for the playoffs, which is obviously what they want him for. Um, but it's getting close. 
you may want to consider uh, if you're in a deeper league and need a little bit of help, Mike Fisher might be able to add something. I, you know, I imagine he's still uh, got it, still capable of, uh, you know, producing in a bottom six role here and could offer some kind of depth uh, boost to your lineup if, if you're looking for it. In New Jersey, AJ, remember early in the season, this team came out of the shoot on fire. They were up with the <coughs> leaders of the Eastern Conference. Well, they've given away much of their advantage. In fact, on the heels of four, their current four-game slide, they're just clinging to a wild-card berth. So they really need to pick up their play to, to salvage a season that started off so well, in fact. Uh, up front, Pavel Zaka is holding down the second center role and has compiled six points in his last nine games. By far the best stretch of his season for the third-year pro. He's now partnered with Jesper Bratt, who's pointless in six, and Drew Stafford, who has only two points in his last six games. So his his hope is that he can get his line mates going here. But the bigger issue for me is in goal with a presumptive starter, Corey Schneider. He's missed eight games and remains sidelined for at least another week. In his absence, Keith Kincaid started off well and Eddie Lack has been called up but boy they haven't been able to hold the fort recently they've allowed 27 goals against in the eight games that they've been missing their top goalie well they've also missed a lot of other pieces uh you know (laughs) Brian Boyle picked up an injury Marcus Johansson obviously we talked about that and so uh it's a pretty banged up team here uh that was seemed to be rolling and headed towards uh, a postseason spot. Now they control their own destiny. They lead the wild card spot uh, in the the Eastern Conference. But again, that's such a competitive division. Uh, they could still work their way into a top three in the Metropolitan. There's no question about it. But a four game slide is indicative of how uh, stretched they are right now. Uh, they need to get their netminder back, but also. Uh, Johansson is probably the key as well if they're going to hold on uh, towards the end here. When we talk about the Islanders, we got to remind our listeners, bet the over whenever these guys play, AJ. They can't <laughs> find a way to slow their goals against, and they're scoring a ton of goals. Uh, despite the high-octane offense, though, I'm surprised to see that Nick Letty seems to be the only capable offensive-minded defenseman here. He's got five points in his last five games. His longtime playing partner, Johnny Boychuk, has a big shot and has been reunited on this pairing. It should be- benefit him and maybe spark some more scoring from the blue line. And apart from them, though, Ryan Pullock might also be worth a look with 11 points in 18 games in the new year. He's starting to find the range offensively. But on the season, you look at their totals, Letty's the only guy on the back end that was delivering any, any, anything at all. But you would expect more just given the number of goals this team scores. Yeah, it just, you know, there's so much uh, that's going on here. The the net minding, as you as you highlighted, is is a real struggle. Uh, I think that they for sure are going to try and sign somebody uh, or trade for somebody here. Now I went out and made a bold call that perhaps Henrik Lundqvist uh, could be a trade option here. Look, I get that these are rivals and it'll probably never happen. Uh, But if you took that out of the equation and looked at this strictly in a vacuum, Henrik Lundqvist is the biggest trade chip the Rangers have. uh, And they have said that the, the, the fire sale is on here for rebuilding for the future. He's got a huge cap hit uh, for the organization. Any team would want him. And the Islanders have, you know, Tavares to deal with. They need to figure out how uh, to, you know, show him something. They've got some young prospects. They've got two first round picks next year uh, and could trade that away the other way. I think in a vacuum, these are two clubs that have 
matching pieces. Now I think the Rangers would have to obviously retain a little bit of salary. I would expect they would want either Halak or Grice the other way. I think Halak's a better option just to get him through the rest of this year. Cause then he'll be a free agent at the end of the year. They can sign somebody else, but uh, a lot of moving pieces. But while those two clubs may not work out together because of the rivalry, I think Henrik Lundqvist is the biggest trade chip on this club. And if they're really thinking about rebuilding, nobody's going to get them a bigger return than him uh, heading forward. Now that's a bold move by them and a bold suggestion by me. Uh, but I wouldn't, uh, if it happens, I'm going to look like a genius, obviously. Uh, but if the fire sale is truly on, like the organization has said, that's the starting point for me. Well, I'm going to give my answer, my, my handle on the Rangers situation. I'm curious to know what other, other pieces you might look at in New York. But to me, it's obvious, like you said, the Rangers management waved the white flag, telling their fan base that several current players may be on the move in coming days. Missing five regular guys right now, including three veterans on defense, certainly has played a big role in their three and seven slide in the past 10 games one player to watch though currently is Brady Shea who's suddenly become a first pairing guy and the power play quarterback on that top unit he got a run there last year and performed very well too so another outlier in DFS play that might make some sense remember the hoopla around Jimmy VC though AJ well it appears <laughs> he's destined for a second straight point total in the high 20s at best so he certainly hasn't lived up to the hype that surrounded his debut in the NHL and I'm really glad the Leafs didn't get take a run at this guy because he just hasn't seemed to fit in as uh, the offensively hyped guy that he was uh, last year yeah and and I, I apologize for jumping the gun I just think these two clubs have uh, a lot going on together obviously they already asked Nick Rick Nash to submit his right. trade uh, request there uh, I really think for the future Mika Zabinajad who is who they're going to build around uh, Max Zuccarella could be an option as well he's 30 uh, 30 years old He's under contract for one more season. Uh, so that's another one to look at. Then, it, you know, from there, JT Miller is still pretty young. Kevin Hayes is very young. Uh, both are going to be restricted free agents. So I would expect them to be part of the future here in this club. It'd be too early, I think, to sell on a guy like Jimmy VC. Uh, so I, I think you're looking at some of those older pieces. Um, but still, again, obviously, Rick Nash, I think, will fetch a big price tag. But uh, Henrik Lundqvist, I, I think, is the bluest chip that they have. Well, and in Ottawa, you know, defense is obviously a focus here. Whenever you talk, you can talk about Eric Carlson's situation. His he's gone from the penthouse to the outhouse in terms of his performance this year overall. The points are starting to come back in his game, and that means it's certainly worth noting whoever his defensive partner is, if he's got any offensive acumen, and that fits the bill for Johnny Oduya. He. Uh, uh, he has uh, earned that look because he's got a string of eight games where he hasn't posted a minus, and that's a rare thing on the Ottawa team right now. So Carlson certainly needs that kind of support because he has a minus 26 rating on the season despite that strong offensive game. Up front, Colin White, a right winger, a young right winger, is getting a steady diet of top six minutes, likely on an audition to see if his addition will buffer the team as it looks to trade a veteran or two among their forward ranks. Mike Hoffman's name's certainly been out there in a big way, hasn't it? Absolutely. Uh, and I think a lot of it has to do uh, with the net mining situation this year. You know, Craig Anderson has not looked as good as he did last year. And Mike Condon hasn't been much better in relief, but it's gotten to the point where this is pretty much a goalie split. Uh, they went, you know, one, uh, one after the other for several games there. 
Uh, Anderson got two in a row. Now it looks like Condon's going to get two in a row as well. Uh, and so really trying to, I think, figure out what the answer is for this team long-term uh, between the pipes. You know, maybe it's a situation where they're trying to see is Condon potentially the long-term answer here. Now, both these guys are under contract through 1920. Uh, and so they're not going anywhere anytime soon, unless they would try and trade one of them. Uh, but I think it's interesting to see you, uh, you know, season long guys, especially are going to want to pay attention to how this split is shaking up in daily. You're going to want to make sure you're checking the rotowire starting goalie grid to make sure you know which one is going tonight uh, uh, or whatever night you're playing. It uh, looks like Condon will get the nod against the Penguins tonight. Uh, so look for that to be the case uh, moving forward. In Philadelphia, look, I got to say I'm surprised that the goalie tan of Michael Neuvirth and Brian Elliott uh, has been as good as it has been all season long. Uh, they've been certainly a strength of this team that was un- unexpected in this corner. Right now, the burden falls on Neuvirth as the top goalie assignment with Elliott going down as he suffered a groin injury, it looked like, in a recent shootout against the Coyotes. Neuvirth won that game after being thrown into the skill competition, followed it up with a nice road win in Vegas. Not too many goalies can say they have that on their resume this, this year either, limiting the homestanding Knights to only a single goal. On the blue line, Shane Gostis bears on a torrid streak and all of a sudden vaulted himself among the top scorers on the blue line. He's got nine points in his last six games, putting him on the best... Uh, Uh, on the career best pace right now so that's how good he's been I think the one concern here for me is how much of a drop-off they have from the top guys you look at Giroux and Voracek they're right in the mix uh, for you know for the Art Ross this season a little bit behind some of the leaders but both of them have 64 points they're right there Sean uh, Curtier has uh, 57 then Gossiper who you mentioned has 42 from there it really starts to tail off now Simmons at 35 Konechny at 29 uh, but it, it really uh, is dependent on those top guys. And I think that's going to hurt them for any potential, uh, you know, playoff run here. Uh, not having that depth when you get into the postseason, teams just seem better about keying in on that top line and figuring out their, you know, idiosyncrasies. And you have to rely on depth scoring to get anywhere in the postseason. We've seen that the last two years with the Penguins. Uh, using uh, guys that come out of nowhere like Jane Kensel, Connor Sheary the year before that. Uh, and without that depth, I think the Flyers are going to be destined for an early exit at this point. Well, that would break your heart, wouldn't it? <laughs> I know, it'd be so rough. I'm uh, in, in terms of Pittsburgh, I'm noting the contribution of one Carl Hagelin, who's contributed a point of game pace over 14 games heading into action this week, cementing his position on Evgeny Malkin's wing. But the stunning thing to me here, AJ, is the fact that you've got your top three scorers there. They basically each anchor a line. It's when they get together on the power play that things really get scary because they're the three top power play point producers in the entire league. But as far as Vatnan goes, he's a veteran who knows that the stakes are higher at this time of year of the hockey season. And we know he's been a strong playoff performer in the past. So I look for continued, continued big things from him as a bit of an outsider outlier you don't think of him when you think of the Pittsburgh Penguins but he's really producing right now on the flip side though I have no explanation for the struggles of one Jake Gunsel you mentioned him in passing earlier he's been really ordinary of late and his it seems like he's been dropping steadily from starting the season as a first line winger he's currently lining up in a fourth line role I don't think that can last can it no, I don't think so. And it, it could be just a way to to kind of send a message to him to to get after him, uh, to really step up his game. 
and, and get back to being that uh, dominant player that he was for a while. Uh, I think it's interesting that it seems every year there's a new young guy that plays with Sidney Crosby that kind of comes out of nowhere. This season, it's Dominic Simone. Last year was Gunsel, the year before was Sheary. Uh, but there are still some uh, consistencies here. Now, Brian Rust, the past two years, has played pretty much every now and then a third line role, but pretty much with Malkin uh, or Crosby for the last uh, several years here. And so I think that really speaks to what he adds. I mean, a high energy guy, probably always going to end up with more assists than goals uh, just because those two, you know, he has an ability to find uh, those two guys on the ice and and get them the puck Uh, draws a lot of attention using his speed. I think he's a great DFS option uh, because he's playing on that top line with Crosby Uh, and Hagelin has been a surprise to me. Now I've called for him to be traded in the past because he's carrying a $4 million price tag and hasn't really produced to the level of a guy when you're, you know, that you're paying that much. Um, but getting hot now, uh, seems to maybe have quieted me as it were, maybe some <laughs> other pundits, uh, 12 points in his last 14 games. So just below a point per uh, game pace right now, it's hard to suggest trading away a guy like that. And in San Jose, you know what? This team is like a big secret just because they play so many other games at home out west when we're all fast asleep. But some good things are going on, <laughs> despite the fact that the big big bearded one is missing up front. Marty Jones has really gotten back into a nice groove and goal, uh, limiting all shooters to only 10 goals against in his last five games, AJ. Up front, you also have to admire the way Joe Pavelski has taken his game to another level in the face of Thornton's injury. He's got six points in three games last week while moving over to play center instead of his normal right wing position without missing a beat so I tip my hat to a veteran like Pavelski and uh, it behooves you to try and fit this guy into DFS lineups the way he's rolling right now well the other thing that's important to note about this team they have really been shuffling around their lines a lot I mean Thomas Hurdle right now looks like he's going to be on the top line with Couture and LeBanc both those guys at some point during the year have been third or fourth line uh, roles it all has to do to your point Paul about Thornton being out Um, but I think what's important to note is the Sharks are actually one of the few teams that tweets out their lineup pretty early on in the day. So when you go to that, that Rotowire uh, depth chart page, you can trust, you know, especially if you're checking it, you know, in that four or five o'clock range, we've usually seen the lineup at that point and adjusted those lines accordingly. And I think you have to key in on the guys who are going to get the top six minutes. Uh, Boddicker has been a top line player in the past. Melko Carlson, Yannick Hansen has gotten looks up there as well. Um, so these are very fluid lines right now. And so you're going to want to check if you have those guys in, I would go to Rotowire, check the depth chart before lineup lock, make sure you're using the guys that are up top. And if not switch them out for one of the other ones, because they all have some talent and playing with Pavelski or Couture is going to boost your productivity anyway. And the line shuffling continues in St. Louis as well. AJ Patrick Berglund has parlayed a real nice scoring surge of late into a second line role, uh, bumping Vladimir Sabotka off that unit. But the interesting thing here to note is that Sabotka is now centering a third line in a rare turn as the pivot position this year. So if you're in a uh, pool that re- rewards winners and, and gives players another position if they play a few nights in a, in a different role, Sabotka could be a nice value play down the stretch too if he gets a few uh, turns at the center position, giving you flexibility. Uh, all of this is necessitated also because of the success of Jaden Schwartz. No 
stranger to top six minutes, but he's quickly returned to top form with five points in his last six games, rolling along as a top six guy that they really rely on in this in this lineup. Well, and I think, you know, Carter Hutton has been kind of the, the darling of the league lately, getting all the uh, storylines. Uh, but don't overlook what Jake Allen has actually done in his last four outings. Now, the first thing you're going to say to me is, AJ, look, he's only got one win in those four outings. But look again who he's playing against. He allowed just two goals against Boston, and that was a loss. He had a relief appearance against Minnesota uh, in which he gave up three, but it, it, it's, um, you know, it's tough to kind of fill in. Uh, actually, I think maybe he got pulled in that one. Uh, so, but then after that, you know, he gets a win against Winnipeg. That's a top offense, gave yeah. up just two goals to them, and then loses to Pittsburgh, uh, which a lot of teams have been doing lately and really only gave up three goals to them. Uh, so there, there's a, a lot in Jake Allen's game that's going right right now, but he's facing some really tough clubs. I think if you see him matched up, uh, against the Colorado, against an Ottawa, Montreal, some of the teams that we've talked about that are struggling right now, it's not a bad time to use him because he hasn't been playing that bad. It's just Carter Hutton's been playing a little bit better and Allen's matchups haven't been very good. And now we get to talk about two teams that I saw last night in Toronto in a nice game that we'll get into a little bit. But for Tampa, boy, what a luxury to bring along a talented defenseman like Mikhail Sergachev with the league-leading bolts. He's tied for the new highest-scoring rookie defenseman in the league this year and be, will be a tremendous one-two punch with Victor Hedman here for years to come. Uh, imagine each of them anchoring a, a defense pairing there. They're, they're looking good on the blue line for years. There is one disarming trend, though, in goal, I'll have to say. We've been touting Vasilevsky all year long and pretty much mailed him the Vezina Trophy. But look at his game log now, AJ. All of a sudden, with last night's four spot, that's seven times in his last 12 starts that he's given up at least four goals against. Maybe it's a sign that the workload might be getting to him a little bit. Nobody's talking about that except for me on PuckCast so far. In the competitive top part of the Atlantic, he'll need to figure things out on the fly. They can't afford to sit him because the gap between first and third is suddenly only six points. Uh, so that's a bit of a concern uh, as the third place leaves closed ranks there to say nothing of the Bruins, who are only three points back with two games in hand right now. Well, the the redeeming factor and the thing that might uh, kind of hide Vasilevsky's struggles is that Nikita Kucherov has turned it back on. Uh, he struggled for a bit, had a 11-game a, a goal drought. Now, to say he really, really struggled over that stretch, I think uh, it w over that time period would be a stretch. He had seven assists in those 11 games, 30 shots on goal, so still getting pucks to the net. But if you were concerned... Uh, he's certainly shown that that uh, is no more has goals in each of his last three games, plus another two assists to show for it. Uh, two of those five points have come on the power play 15 shots on goal uh, in those outings as well. So putting pucks uh, to the net, getting power play time uh, and Nikita Kucherov is back. And I think, I think he saw everybody starting to creep up and look like they were going to catch him for that Art Ross and decided, nah, I think I'm going to take that home this year. Uh, and if he keeps rolling at this pace, uh, he'll walk away with it. And then uh, we talk about the Leafs. Uh, last night they showed very well against Tampa, as I implied. Mitch Marner is a big reason why thriving on a line with Kadri and Marlowe, which becomes another hot trio on the Leafs roster in the last five games. They're scoring a ton, and so are the Matthews line. Travis <laughs> McDermott... Travis Dermott looks uh, to be gaining confidence every time out on the blue line, getting more minutes and producing two, uh, 
two shots per game and five points in his 14-game uh, resume so far at the NHL level. This guy looks really comfortable and seems to be able to play well at both ends of the ice, one of the more fluid skaters on the roster. Also, another guy on the back end who's come back in the lineup with a vengeance is Nikita Zaitsev. Uh, suddenly boasts a, a very, the Leafs suddenly boast a very mobile defense from top to bottom when you consider these two guys and they can even afford to put a physical Roman Polak back in there once in a while to spell Connor Carrick as they're trying to figure out that third pairing a little bit. Up front, Nylander has been taking a large share of face-offs, splitting the duty with line-mate Austin Matthews. I wonder if that's with an eye toward trading one of their centers. Maybe a Tyler Bozak could be on the move, AJ. That's what I'm speculating. And another guy who's fit into the top uh, forward ranks is uh, Kasperi Kapanen, slowly getting more time playing time and uh, destined for a future role uh, and maybe even a top six role uh, next year this guy AJ is a bit of a secret to a lot of uh, onlookers but he might be the club's fastest skater I think what's interesting is people are looking at Nylander and Marner's rookie campaigns and then saying oh these guys aren't as good as promised they had outrageous numbers last year Uh, I think what you'll see from them on a more consistent basis is where they're at now that's still 45 points for Nylander uh, Marner is uh, right there with 43 yeah they may not reach 60 every single year but I think these guys will consistently be in the 40s and 50s uh, and so yeah a few minor blips and minor stretches where they weren't scoring points um, but this is a stacked lineup you know you talk about the fact they still have Patrick Marlowe on the team uh, he's not he hasn't been producing a ton of late but he's still a solid veteran presence. I think his value, while fantasy owners aren't going to like this, uh, I think his value more comes in the locker room yeah. from a veteran standpoint. He's been in playoffs. He's you know he's made it to a Stanley Cup final in the past, and so I think they really need a guy like him uh, with how young they are. So while he may not be the best option on a night-to-night basis, he certainly has potential, uh, which bodes well for DFS. I think you pick him in the right matchups. Uh, and, you know, kind of pick and choose your spots to use them. You look at uh, his last uh, time, he, you know, he played Ottawa on February 10th and put three points up against them, uh, nothing against Tampa. So there's your kind of picture there. If he's playing one of these bottom teams, might be a good time to use him. In Vancouver, look, at I think we're witnessing a short showcase effort by the Canucks uh, with respect to Eric Goodbranson, a big mobile blue liner who's a pending UFA as he's now joined Alex Edler on the top pairing over here. Edler, I don't have to tell you, I like this guy as a power play quarterback, so he could make his partner look good over the next little while. In addition, Troy Stetcher and Alex Biega are also seeing more minutes, possibly for the same purposes at a time when Chris Tanev is out with a short-term injury. The Canucks obviously realize that defensemen will be in demand at the trade deadline, and they may have a couple they can move because they've certainly locked up some of the other veteran guys for the next few years, so their flexibility could come and dealing from the, a little bit of excess that they have on the back end. Well, and I think they'll use that to kind of bolster the, the forward ranks. Uh, looks like Vanek is back with the Sedins for a little while uh, with Grandland out. They've reunited that Berchi Horvat uh, Boser line, uh, Besser line rather. Uh, and so having those three guys back together, I think that's their top line of the future. Uh, and so from there, it really drops off. Now they still have Louis Erickson. Jake Vertanen is, is obviously still there. He's gotten a look on the top line as well. Um, but I, I don't see kind of their bottom six guys really being long-term, uh, you know, top producers. Uh, and so to trade one of those defensemen, perhaps to, to get some more forward options, 
might be the way to go for this club. And uh, when we get to talk about the Vegas Knights, I can tease this, that we have just confirmed that uh, Daniel Negrano, who is very intimately involved with the Knights operation, Real Kid Poker, will be joining us next week to give his slant on a a great season by the first-year team and really to dive into their their program a little bit to see what it is that's made it work so well. I have my own theories and I'm looking forward to bouncing them off him and seeing what he might expect at the trade deadline. But for now, we'll remind our listeners that Willie Carlson's emerged as the club's top center a long time ago, now ranking among the league's top scorers as well, which is a bit of a shocker uh, when you consider where he came from. But a big aspect to his production is an, a stellar 244 percentage scoring rate that's off the charts AJ I don't know how sustainable it is but right now it speaks to exactly how well he's played overall the Knights have allowed 20 goals against though in their last five games that red raises the first red flag defensively on the season exposing their defense uh, as I said for the first time in the whole uh, of this particular campaign I wonder if the league is catching up to them a little bit maybe uh, is my answer right now and doesn't help then that Malkin Subban landed on the IR meaning that the flower uh, Marc-Andre Fleury will be supported by Max Legacy and be forced to take on maybe a bigger load uh, than he has most recently. The the nice part about that potential uh, situation with Fleury taking on more is that uh, you know, he was obviously dealing with with a concussion, but he should be significantly more rested than a lot of the other netminders in the league at this point, uh, having missed a good chunk of time. So he should have fresher legs uh, to enter the back half of the season in the playoffs. Uh, I think to your point, you know, they've got Spisa, Merrill and Stoner on IR right now. It seems that whatever bug, uh, the injury bug, the goalies were going through early in the season has hit the blue line. Uh, and it's forward guys as well. I mean, William Carrier is on IR, Tom Nosek dealing with an injury. Uh, and so it's a pretty banged up club, all things considered, but it's nothing new to them. They dealt with this all uh, earlier in the season. And these top two lines are really, really dynamic. Uh, you know, Perron, Hala and Neil could be one of the best second lines in the league. Uh, and they really uh, have that ability to, to use either one of these uh, against the top options in other clubs. In Washington, I guess when it comes to the Caps, I saw what their management saw in, Al- in Lars Eller uh, finally uh, showing something this year, but he parlayed his recent success into a five-year extension with his play over the last month being kind of his exhibit A, I guess, where he scored 11 points in his last 14, uh, four, sorry, 11 points in his last 14 games. It looks like uh, Andre Burakovsky will be his line mate in an attempt to build a third scoring unit. They've gone uh, the route of putting pairs of scoring types together with a grinder type, and it seems to have worked to stretch their roster, and it's something they have done with an eye toward compete, competing with uh, their arch rivals, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, it looks like Burakovsky's picked up his scoring pace a little bit from earlier on the season with points in half of his last six games, but they're expecting more as he plays with maybe the hottest guy outside of their big two guys up front. Well, I think heading into the, the deadline, uh, you know, the, the blue line needs to be addressed. It's not much different than what we've seen in the past from them. Obviously, they had Shattenkirk at the end last year. That really didn't work out. Um, but other than losing him, who wasn't really working for them to begin with. Uh, There's not much new here. And so I would expect them to bolster that. Uh, You know, obviously everything on this team comes down to what they do in the postseason, And it's going to rely on Alexander Ovechkin and Braden Holpe. Now Holpe has been very good of late. Uh, Once again, uh, he's got only one 
regulation loss in his last eight appearances, albeit with a 3.33 goals against average over that stretch, had a six game outing against Pittsburgh, a five game out, uh, a goal, rather six goal outing against Pittsburgh, five goal outing against Detroit. Uh, and so some, some to you, use your uh, phrase there, some red flags uh, with Holpe's performance of late. But again, I put that more on the defense in front of him uh, rather than on the netminder himself. And finally, we get to the Winnipeg Jets, and finally they can say Mark Shifley made his return last Friday, taking on a full workload that included over 23 minutes of play, a huge total for forwards. We don't see that around the league too much, but he's a big guy who proved he can handle it in the past and certainly going to get that type of work going forward. The accompanying line juggling that resulted from his return sees Nikolai Ehlers and Patrick Laine, two good buddies on this team flanking Brian Little playing on the same line should fire those two guys up and Brian Little is an underrated playmaker who could really benefit from that new mix on the blue line I've loved the play of Tyler Myers this year he's now getting top pairing minutes and is closing fast on the second best points total of his career nobody saw that coming not even me even though he was one of my top preseason calls for a nice rebound he's exceeded my expectation the other one was one of those other calls incidentally was Connor Hallibuck winning the starting role here we put a check mark on that call a long time ago didn't we partner absolutely and i i do think the the one kind of caveat here in that net mining situation is that uh you know michael hutchinson is now also dealing with a concussion steve mason's been out for a while uh and so connor hellybuck may have to take on an even bigger role now he hasn't shied away from starts at this point he's already made 46 appearances on the year certainly he's not going to reach you know last season cam talbot numbers of 73 um but 50, maybe even pushing for 60, probably not out of the question here. Uh, and you have to wonder with this really being his like first kind of full on, hey, you're going to be the number one guy here. We don't have a reserve backup. Um, what he can do down the stretch, uh, you know, Hutchinson has had a great season in the minors. He was uh, selected to the AHL All Star game. Uh, Mason has a ton of experience as a solid backup and filling in uh, here and there. And so uh, they need to get one of these guys back sooner rather than later uh, because Eric Comrie is not ready yet, uh, in my opinion, even as a backup netminder. Uh, and so to rely that much heavily, more heavily on Hellubuck heading into the postseason, I think would be a mistake. You're going to want him rested as much as possible uh, when playoffs start. And uh, that concludes our run through the 31 teams, but we still got to talk about our friends at FanDuel, AJ. Despite the fact the NFL season wound down, baseball's around the corner, we still got a lot of games in the NBA and the NHL. And the cool thing for me is I'm so impressed by their menu of options at FanDuel with games that cost as little as a nickel. And there are other games even to get the novices all warmed up as we were talking before the show. You can play games where you don't even lose all of your money. You're guaranteed to win at least something. So you come away from that experience with a bit of a learning opportunity that doesn't cost too much in the pocketbook, uh, giving the novices a chance to sk- test their skills while not spending very much. It's, it's an opportunity to really gain enjoyment from the competition and learn the dynamics of how these games work, and you can play them every day. Yeah, I thought it was really uh, an interesting concept. Now, obviously, the prize pools are a little bit smaller in that contest, but basically they they titled it Everyone Gets Paid. Uh, and so even the, the last place, place person gets a little bit of money back. So you're not kind of all in if you're just kind of learning those DFS contests. Now, of course, they've got a ton of other options as well, uh, including uh, for NHL, the, one of their labs contests, the Boost 
contest, I think is really interesting. Uh, you get one, uh, kind of three, uh, triple point guy, triple point forward, double point forward, and then a regular forward, then a double point defenseman and a regular defenseman. So no goalie. Uh, if that's a concern, if you've missed on the goalies a lot, uh, you don't have to worry about that in those contests. Uh, just a quick tip here for my money. I think you have to pay up for those top, top guys, uh, in those contests to be your triple and then get some production out of, out of your single, uh, single guy as well. That's how I've approached it. Had some success on it so far. Uh, I'll keep our listeners posted if I decide to, you know, change up my strategy. But for now, that's kind of working for me. Uh, folks, I'm going to know if he's successful because his, his wardrobe is going to change significantly if he gets a lot more money. This guy, <laughs> I know I know he, what he's all about. Uh, listen, fans, over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. Why don't you join those ranks? To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. Of course, these contests are void. We're prohibited. Let's get into our own DFS segment, AJ. I wonder how many of your guys you've teased uh, in your upcoming roster. We've got a 12-game slate here, it looks like. So why don't we run through it a little bit? All right. So the, the slate's going to start off uh, 7 o'clock. you got the Flames at Boston. Uh, Bruins a minus 190 on that one. Lightning coming off a of back-to-back. Travel to Buffalo. Uh, despite that, Tampa Bay is still minus 180. They're just outclassing the Sabres at this point. Uh, jackets at the Islanders, seven o'clock. You've got Columbus, a slight edge minus one twenty-five in that contest flyers, uh, will welcome the devils to town. Uh, again, Philadelphia minus one sixty-five, a little one-sided. I think that has a lot to do with New Jersey's injuries. Uh, the big lopsided matchup tonight, uh, Pittsburgh at home against the, the senators, this, the penguins are minus two eighty-five in this contest. That's the biggest uh, kind of money line one-sided on that one, a six over under on that as well. So expecting a lot of goals there. Uh, and then the last uh, early seven o'clock game, the Kings traveling to Carolina hurricanes, the home team minus one thirty-five in that outing. And then we go to the later slate. Anaheim visits Detroit. The uh, the ducks are the bigger, heavier team. They're favored on the road at minus one twenty-five. The over-under set at five and a half. St. Louis visits Nashville in a what should be a tight uh, divisional battle between two of the powers in that group. Uh, the over-under is uh, set at five and a half, and the money line favors the home side. Nashville, that's a tough out anytime visits the Predators. They're minus 145 there. The Rangers visit Minnesota. We talked about the dysfunction and the dissolution that's pending in New York, and they're a heavy underdog against Minnesota. We talked about them being... A real strong home team there. Minus 220, second best on the board to your pens. The over-under set at five and a half there. Then I think the game of the night, Washington faces Winnipeg. Two of the top goalies in hockey going head-to-head there in Holpe and Hellebuck. In fact, I've got both of them on at least a couple of my teams. So I chose well there, AJ. But the home side, the Jets are favored at minus 150. Uh, the, uh, the goals against for Holpe has crept up over the last little mile. Maybe that's a factor there. The, uh, goal, uh, the goals uh, expected is five and a half in that game. Chicago is really struggling of late, and they face, face Vegas. They've only lost four games at home. One of them came very recently for Las Vegas. But the Hawks look to be overmatched here. And Vegas, a heavy favorite, minus 220. The over-under set at six. And finally, we got Arizona at San Jose. Look, this is where I've jumped all over the Coyotes in the last couple of weeks for making my DFS goalie picks. I'm shying away because they burned me twice. They're the heavy underdog <laughs> still with a minus 220. But I'm staying away from this matchup just because it's killed me so far in the last couple of weeks. 
AJ. Well, I guess <laughs> I, was Stop laughing. Say, I guess that means for our, for our listeners, maybe use Martin Jones tonight if yeah. Paul's not going to. <laughs> That's right. So let's get into your lineup. With the lopsided nature of the Pittsburgh pen, uh, contest, I got to guess there's a couple of pens in your group. Yeah, I, I went full on uh, Penguins stack, all four players. Now I'm going to do a little bit of prefacing to justify this. I, I talked about the money line being one-sided. Uh, Paul mentioned that the three big guys are leading the league in power play points. The team as a whole leads the league in power play production at 26.3%. On top of that, the fourth worst penalty kill in the league is the Ottawa Senators at 75.1. Look, there's a ton of reasons to stack Penguins tonight outside of just my personal preference for that. So I wanted to at least justify what's going on there a little bit. Uh, But for me, I, I took a bit of a challenge on here. Uh, I'm going to use both Malkin and Crosby tonight. Uh, 9,200 for Malkin, 9,000 for Crosby. It's going to carry a heavy price tag. It's going to make me really dig for some value there. So even if you don't want to go full penguin stack, I'll highlight a few value guys here for you. One of the wingers I'm going to use is not a value option, uh, but a solid player. Phil Kessel, 8,400. I used all three of the big guns here for Pittsburgh. I think uh, the power play points are going to be flowing tonight. My value guys, here's what I'm looking at. Alex Took for the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. He's 3,600. Yes, he's in a third line role, but he's produced somewhat consistently all season. I think he's a great option there. Uh, Drew Stafford, 3,400. Again, another guy playing in a bottom six role, but Stafford has had his flashes here and there. And so both these guys risky, they could throw up zeros as easily on, on other nights, but they've proven the ability to score. Now, I think the least risky option of my, uh, you know, scraping the bottom here is Anthony Duclair at 3,400. He's playing top line minutes, uh, for, uh, the Blackhawks. Now to Paul's point, they are going into, uh, the, the difficult, uh, uh, you know, challenge of winning in Vegas. Uh, but I think Duclair, uh, as a top line option should hopefully get some help playing alongside, uh, Taves and Brandon Saad likely tonight. And so I look for him, uh, to be a good 30, you know, at 3,400, he's kind of a steal for a top line winger, uh, defensively. Again, I had to pick some guys saving a little bit. Mark Edward Vlasic, 4,800. Uh, he's been producing of late. He's, you know, uh, on, uh, the, the sharks who have a decent matchup tonight. So I love that. And then Paul teased this, uh, I'm using Matt Dumba tonight, 4,500. He's got points in each of his last three games looking, uh, phenomenal Minnesota's at home, uh, which is good for them as well. And so, uh, Matt Dumba, I think is another really good steal at 4,500. And then, uh, the last penguin of the night, Matt Murray, 8,600, again, a pretty big price tag, but he's not, he's not the highest of the high that you could pay, uh, in between the pipes. And it's just such a one-sided matchup. You'd be hard pressed not to use it. So that's where I shook out again. If you don't want to stack penguins, maybe look at some of those other wing depth options or, or the defensemen are both, uh, values and fill out your lineup with those guys. Well, I didn't put any in my lineup. I went with a couple of teams that have favorable matchups and that guided me. So I'll begin with my centers, Patrice Bergeron and Ryan Getzlaff. Certainly Bergeron gets a visiting Calgary team with that question mark and goal. I think they should be easy meat for a home side that's played very well. Ryan Getzlaff is my other center. 
playing in Detroit. I don't think Detroit has the size to deal with Getzlaff when he's rolling, and he certainly is right now. And on the wings, I've got Ryan Spooner, who uh, proved himself again and most recently with Marshawn's absence. I spoke about that. Only $4,500 for a guy who's getting top six minutes and playing on the power play against that suspect uh, Calgary goaltending situation. Then I go out west for San... I can't stay away from Arizona completely, so I've got to pick Thomas Hurdle uh, against them for $5,200. First line winger for 5200 against one of the poorest defenses in the league. Give me that every time out. Last night, I kept my eyes on one Yanni Gord. Impressed me. He's got the second of back-to-backs, but Buffalo should be easy prey for the visiting uh, Lightning who want to make up for their... Uh, their uh, loss last night against Toronto. 5400 is the price tag for Gord. And then you mentioned Dvorak, uh, one of the guys that's going great guns for the Flyers. Again, he'll be more than a handful for the visiting Devils who are seem to, seeming to go in the wrong direction. He's my most expensive winger at $7,200. On defense, I saved money and I picked Jake Muzzin Largely because tomorrow's Valentine's Day and he's a relative of my wife, so I had to get that in there. <laughs> uh, but Buzzin has been on a pretty nice scoring spree, though, all things, all kidding aside, AJ, and so I'm quite comfortable putting him in the lineup against Cal- uh, Carolina. And uh, I'll also fill in with Jake Waransky, one of the top young blue liners in hockey against a team like the Islanders. They're going to give up a lot of uh, shots again against a team that plays with much more structure. So I really like that pick. And then my uh, my goalie tonight is Louis Domingue. I don't think they're going to go with Vasilevsky on the second of back-to-backs, figuring that Buffalo should be an easy prey even, even though they're at home. I saved big time here picking one of the cheaper goalies, but with a high win, win probability, happy to seven, spend $7,600 there. Curious to know where the optimizer goes here aj why don't you run through that lineup well before i do i want to make a quick point to our listeners uh you're not going to get any more uh better dfs uh, kind of suggestions here you've got me going the extreme high low i paid more for four different players than paul paid for anybody in his lineup uh but paul's lineup is a little more even keel uh less risky guys on there so a great kind of one-two punch that you're getting here so don't sleep on that i think we you know not to tout toot uh toot our own horn too much but i think we offer some really solid fantasy dfs insight for our listeners and and definitely would suggest to keep listening on a on a week-to-week basis uh getting into the optimizer now i did a little something different tonight I ran the standard optimizer and Matt Murray was a suggested goalie here and it had some options for some Ottawa guys. I've talked about hating that, uh, that you're going to put Ottawa players against the netminder that you're going to use. So after running the optimizer, seeing that Matt Murray was a suggested goalie, I took Ottawa completely out of it and reran it from there. Uh, so taking that into account, here's what it looks like. Sidney Crosby for $9,000 tonight, uh, going up against Ottawa it's a big price tag, but I really think you have to look at paying it tonight. It follows that up with Kyle Turris for Nashville, 5,100 tonight. Uh, second line, second power play, checks a lot of boxes there. Nashville, a tough team to play. Uh, then it goes to the other side of that matchup on wingers with Vladimir Tarasenko, 7,800. Uh, and so a big price tag there. The optimizer is going to use some cheaper winger options. Now, I had to avoid a couple of these guys because of who I stacked. The optimizer likes Connor Sheary at 4,900 and Brian Rust at 4,000. I think both of these are great options. They're going to get looks on the second power play unit. Uh, Rust is playing up with Crosby right now. I just couldn't fit them in because I did stacks with kind of the top end guys. Uh, and then the last one, you're going to see Jacob Vrana there for 3,300 with Washington. I don't love the matchup against Winnipeg, uh, but again, another guy in a top six role getting power play minutes. 
defensively, uh, no real blame here. The optimizer wants to use Brent birds for 7,500. Paul talked about the matchup against Arizona. Uh, he's just a, a huge producer in a lot of roles. And then the flip side is Colton Pareko, a guy that we've talked about on this show, uh, in the past 4,800, he gets a lot of shots on goal. And so yes, sometimes the, the production's not there. He hasn't had a goal, uh, in, uh, several, uh, games, uh, the last, uh, looks like 10, I believe no goals, uh, but still getting shots in net. And so a good option at 4,800, maybe you can catch him on the 95 and gets one. And then the optimizer, as I said, uses Matt Murray and goal 8,600. So that's how it all shook out. Once I took those, uh, those senators out of the lineup, just cause it wanted to use, uh, Murray from the start. And we get into our stud of the week and the rant of the week. But last week, AJ, we did a poll question because you were touting Malkin to be better than Ovi. What were the results, pal? Well, it came out that 41% of our listeners uh, are tuned in and know what they're talking about when it comes to hockey and said that Malkin uh, is a better player, uh, 59% going uh, the other way. Uh, now, look, I, I will admit that if, uh, you know, one-on-one probably Ovi is probably a slightly better player. Uh, but at this point, Malkin's the more accomplished one. Uh, and so I think it comes down to how you define who the best player is, is a guy that puts up the stats, but hasn't won anything. Or is it the three time Stanley cup champion for me? And apparently 41% of our listeners it's the three time Stanley cup champion is the better option. Wow. You're such a Homer, man. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I was anyway, the stud of the week. Talk about a Homer. I'm going to go hometown today and feature Mitch Marner, AJ, what a role he's been on. And it, it's brought a new order to Leafs depth chart with eight wins in her last nine games to show for it since the change. Some people may have forgotten what a dom- dominant player he was in his final two years of junior hockey. His skill level is off the charts, folks, and yet I don't know that he gets his due for his talents, but I believe he's just a hair below Austin Matthews, giving the Leafs not only one dynamic player, but maybe as many as three if you factor Nylander into the mix. So a real luxury yeah. for my favorite team. He's taken off, uh, Mar- Marner has, since uh, joining Marlowe and Kadri, two responsible two-way wingers who have helped insulate Marner and find a safe haven to strut his bag of offensive tricks. It's been a lot of fun to watch, i got to tell you. Well, I mean, I talk about shots on goal so much uh, just because it is an important stat to factor in. Uh, if you're not shooting, you're not scoring, right? And so you look at what Marner's done. In four of his last five games, he's got five shots on goal. Uh, That's a pretty high number. He had seven uh, last month against Chicago. And so clearly not afraid to put the puck on the net. And so I I think as long as he keeps shooting, he's going to keep scoring. And he's a great, great option. Uh, A great, uh, a solid pick for stud of the week as well with how productive he's been of late. And for the rant of the week, I'm going to highlight Alex Burroughs for kneeing an opponent in the head during a scrap. He earned a 10-game suspension for that egregious foul, but no player should have to fear the possibility of these tactics, regardless of the penalty, just like Marshawn's flying elbow of the week prior. AJ, the rats are taking too many liberties around the league once again, and I want to see the NHL really throw a book at the next offender because guys like Burroughs and Marshawn, they shouldn't be allowed to do anything like this without the severe, most severe penalty being handed out, and that's something in excess of the five or ten games that they re- each received. It's garbage hockey. It doesn't belong in the game. 
I actually don't think uh, the 10 game suspension is too light. I, I think it was justified. Uh, and But to your point, I think we need to get it out of the game. I think it's interesting that Burroughs takes a run at a player like that, uh, you know, kneeing him while they're both lying on the ice. He gets 10 games, but a kind of, uh, you know, elite uh, per- producing guy who scores a lot gets only five for, uh, you know, an elbow to the head. I think it shows a little bit of hypocrisy there on the part of the league. Uh, the, the kind of grinder guy gets the heavy suspension and the score gets off way too easy. I think it should have been 10 games for Marshawn as well. Um, and I agree. I think it should continue to be these flagrant hits to the head. I think the NHL should set kind of a a bar of being like, Hey, if it's going to be flagrant like this, this is the minimum 10 games minimum with the opportunity to go worse. If it's really, really bad. Uh, I think it it was ridiculous that it was five games. I think 10 is a decent punishment. Uh, And so I I do think too, it shows a little bit of a double standard by the NHL right now. And uh, looking ahead, we're going to be one week, maybe less than a week from the trade deadline next week when we next convene AJ to do this podcast we're going to go through a lot more uh, of the rumors that are out there and dive into a few of them rather than our 31 team look uh, focus I, I I want to tease that to our listeners because now the focus is really on on their rosters and the trade possibilities that are out there we want to go through as many as we can that wraps it up for this week's podcast with Statsman and AJ remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter follow me Paul Bruno at Statsman22 and you can follow AJ at AJ Scholes 24. We hope you enjoyed this show and circle back to get more roster updates, injury news, and other topical info from around the NHL on February 20th for the next episode of podcast so that you get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contests. So long, everybody.